Water affordability and access have been big issues in the city of Detroit for many years. After the city filed for bankruptcy in 2013, the city shut off water for thousands of residents. Activists railed against elected and appointed officials. Their protests spread into city council meetings and legislative hearings. We're the Great Lakes state. It shouldn't matter where you live in the state or how much money you have, everyone needs access to clean and affordable drinking water. State Senator Stephanie Chang is a Democrat representing District 3 in Detroit. When she took office in 2015, she knew that water access was a problem in her city. But when the pandemic hit, she found new data illuminating the scale of the problem. It wasn't just Detroiters struggling to pay their water bills. Water access issues extend across the entire state. We found out that over 317,000 Michiganders were behind on their water bills. Can anyone live without water? Cheng and a couple of collaborators have come up with a plan to fund delinquent water bills and offer more affordable costs to low-income households. Today, we're looking at what this water affordability plan would do, and we'll dig into the years of water advocacy in places like Detroit that preceded it. This is Stateside. I'm April Baer. State Senator Stephanie Chang is with us today, along with one of her bill's co-creators, Gary Brown, who's the director of the Detroit Water and Sewerage Department. We'll also hear from Jim Nash. He's held several elected and appointed jobs in Oakland County, most recently as the county's water resources commissioner. To start us off, Stephanie Chang is going to detail the proposal. She says there are three main components. The first one is essentially creating the water affordability program at the state level while allowing local providers to continue on with existing programs, or they could start their own as long as it meets certain criteria. And that basically would end up with folks who are at 200% of the federal poverty level or below for a household of four, that's $60,000 per year. Um, You would end up with a a water bill that wouldn't be more than 3% of your household income. So you would get an affordable bill that you would be able to pay. We also do include a rearage forgiveness of $1,500 in the first year and you know, the option for more in in future years. And then plumbing repairs. And that's something that we heard loud and clear from both advocates and providers of how important it was that we actually fix those leaky pipes to make sure that the water that people are paying for actually ends up uh, coming out of their tap. So that affordability program is the first main piece. The second main piece is the funding mechanism. And what we know is that uh, Michiganders on the whole Uh, actually support the concept of let's all pay a very small $2 per meter monthly fee. We already do that, um, essentially very, very similar thing on the energy side where everyone pays a small amount on their monthly bill for their energy bills. And so that goes into a fund to help low-income customers. Well, let's do the same thing for water because everyone needs water to live. And the third main piece is protecting folks from shutoffs. Specifically, we're talking about critical care customers um, who need water for whatever it is that might be their health condition, or maybe there's a medical device that they need access to water for. They would be protected from shutoff. And then for everyone else, we would require several notices to make sure 
that folks are getting notified prior to shutoff, all with the goal of let's actually get you all the information you need in order to get into the affordability program with the hope that we won't need to shut off your water. Okay, so like we said, many people know about the water affordability issues in Detroit. Gary Brown, you're the director of the Detroit Water and Sewerage Department. And this issue about water costs has been a big part of your appointment. Detroit already has some programs in place to help support low-income households with their water bills. Can you talk to us a little bit about how things have developed since the pandemic and this water crisis really came to a head? Well, really, I, I started working on this back in 2014 um, yeah. when we had a a RAP program, Water Residential Assistance Program. And, and let me just explain the difference between what we what we're proposing now, what we have now in Detroit, and a water residential assistance program, because there's, there's a lot of misunderstanding. And a water, a, a RAP program, water residential assistance program is certainly better than nothing. However, it's just not robust enough for the level of poverty in the city of Detroit. And so by way of example, let's just say a water bill is $100 for simple math. Well, an assistance program, a water residential assistance program would simply give the homeowner $25 and they'd owe 75. And it would not take into account the customer's ability to pay. Mm. So in Detroit, we know that if water costs our residents more than 1.8% of their household income, then they're going to be struggling to buy food, pay rent. And so we have a program that we pay off all the arrears that a person owes once they qualify. We give them a flat rate of $18. Water, sewer, drainage is $18. And then we go in and we fix the plumbing issues to get them to an average bill. So we have a great model for the state that works. When people are given a bill that they can afford to pay, guess what? They actually pay and you bring in more money. We have 28,000 residential homes in our program, but we don't have long-term sustainable funding. It can't be done through rates. You can't increase rates to the point that you're going to make water even more unaffordable for more people. So you have to have outside dollars to do that, and that's what this legislation does. Jim Nash, you're the Water Resources Commissioner in Oakland County. Can you tell us a little bit about what you're seeing in your community? Every community has folks that can't afford their water. It's it's just every community. Some are much worse than others. Um, we have significant issues in Pontiac, uh, Royal Oak Township, a very small community. So we recognize that this was uh, coming out of the, uh, the the moratorium on shutoffs in 2020. We recognize this had this was a very significant issue in Oakland County. Um, so we we organized a, a, a stakeholder group that we we ran for over two years, um, looking at this problem really in depth. So the so the just the average people, um, people who really never knew how these systems work, could be a part of that. Uh, solution. And we really came to a conclusion that we could all support, that everyone recognized um, we can't just say we will never shut off water. That takes the stick away. There's no way to to really 
effectively collect. And we can't forgive all this because that affects our down bottom line. If we're not collecting, then that's things we're either not doing that we should be doing in terms of our infrastructure, or that next year we have to raise rates even more. We need to take a break. More on water affordability in just a moment. Support for the Stateside Podcast comes from Kalamazoo College offering a personalized education that combines critical thinking, curiosity, and creativity. Committed to preparing students for meaningful careers that make a positive impact on the world. More at kzoo.edu. Support for Michigan Public's stateside podcast comes from Lake Trust Credit Union, working to empower financial well-being for Michigan consumers, businesses, and communities. Committed to financial solutions and advice to support people and families. More information at laketrust.org. Gary, folks may be familiar with the Lifeline plan that's already in place in Wayne County. This was something that was uh, designed to try to be an an emergency stopgap and maybe serve as a model for how a broader system might work. I want to say there's some 25,000 people signed up. Would the idea be, if this bill passes to just transfer all those people into into that program? Or would we sort of have to start from scratch, you know, identifying folks who might qualify? No, that's the, that's the beauty of this uh, legislation. Um, while Senator Chang talked about uh, 200% below the poverty line, that doesn't stop a city like Detroit from going under that amount if, in fact, we uh, thought it was necessary that we had a level of poverty. So it, it allows communities and water utilities to craft a program within the parameters of the legislation that fits their needs. Um, you don't want to place people uh, that can't pay a water bill on the tax rolls. That's going to subject their homes to foreclosure which will exasperate the foreclosure rates in cities like Detroit and all around the state. Uh, Those are the tools that utilities are using now. Let's just send a list of people that are behind to the county treasurer, put them on the tax rolls, and subject their house to foreclosure. My gosh, a more humane way of doing this is collecting a, a simple $2 fee that will go to the state and be, you know, given to utilities that want to participate in this program. Uh, Jim Nash, some critics of the legislation have made the argument that this isn't entirely unexpected and that it would, in essence, be a tax on following the rules. You know, why why should those who have been keeping up pay for delinquent bills? How have you countered that when and if it's come up? Well, the way I look at it is the job of, of running a system like this is to to make sure that we are funding the true cost of service of keeping these systems running, maintaining them, uh, replacing when they need to. All those costs have to be paid. If we're not keeping up with those costs, eventually they will be paid because things will break down. We're trying to make sure that everything we're doing is properly funded 
and everyone is served. And this especially affects small communities. Part of this legislation is setting setting aside 25% of this funding for small systems because when you have 2,000 uh, ratepayers on a system and you have a $5 million project you have to do, that's an incredibly impactful rate increase or you're paying interest on a, on a bond that goes 20 or 30 years. So all of those costs add, add up. And if we're not doing this for the folks that have the hardest time paying, everybody ends up paying more in the long run. And these are individual systems for communities. Nobody makes a profit on this. Um, by law, every dime that's raised has to be spent within that system. Gary Brown, I was talking to someone in our newsroom about water afford- affordability statewide, and she mentioned she was pretty sure there is no federal safety net for water bills. Is that true that there's no federal help available? Yeah, we've, we've scoured uh, every funding source uh, in America. We can find no uh, long-term sustainable funding source similar to what, again, the energy sector already enjoys. Right. Well, Stephanie Chang, with that in mind, tell us a little bit about the path for this bill in the legislature. The House is in a a 50-50 split situation between Democrats and Republicans. What is what is your your plan and your hope for for getting this through committee and to a full vote? One of the things that I'm I'm very optimistic about is that both Democrats and Republicans, there are many, many colleagues who understand that this is an issue in their district. There actually are a number of colleagues on the Republican side who are very interested in this issue. And so we've been really engaging in conversations about, well, how how can this work in your district? What are some things that we need to do to make sure it's the most implementable um, across the state? And then, of course, you know, having town halls and community conversations um, to really make sure that we're answering people's questions. And so I do feel very optimistic that we are building bipartisan support for this legislation and very eager to make sure it gets done this year. And that's the Stateside podcast for today. I'm April Baer. You can find full Stateside episodes at michiganpublic.org. Today's pod episode was produced by Rachel Ishikawa. Other producers on our show are Mike Blank, Ronia Kabansag, Mercedes Mejia, and April Van Buren. Our intern is Olivia Moradian, and our executive producer is Laura Weber-Davis. Music for the pod comes from Blue Dot Sessions and from Audio Network. Thank you so much for listening. We'll see you again tomorrow. Bye-bye. Hi, I'm Rebecca Williams. I'm Lester Graham. We've been working on a big project about Great Lakes birds called the Bird Connection. It will look at ducks and trumpeter swans. Egrets and herons. And piping plovers. Yes! We'll discuss what we've discovered at a Michigan Public Issues and Ale event. Including how some problems for birds are problems for people. It's at Arbor Brewing Company in Ypsilanti the evening of May 21st at 7. You can register at michiganpublic.org.